May the 4th be with you day. Um, speaking of things that just entranced us when we were younger, um, for me, Degrassi Jr. High did that, and Degrassi High did that. And these were shows that were on in the 80s before 90210, Melrose Place, Dawson's Creek, some of the big shows. They kind of glammed those up a little bit, but the real raw stories were here in Toronto, and they were on Degrassi. Uh, writing a new book is Linda Schuyler, who created the uh, Degrassi series, along with a couple others, but she's the most known for it. And she's written a book called The Mother of Degrassi, and she's with us on Toronto Today. She doesn't do many of these, so we appreciate it. Congratulations on the book. Um, As you look at your career as a whole, was a book always going to be part of that? Oh, (laughs) well, thank you for asking. That's a really good question. Um, I don't think I was ready to write this book any time than I did. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those things that you really need to have the luxury of time and the ability to look back. And I have to say that the two things contributed to that is one, not being in production on Degrassi and two, COVID. So yeah, I had, it was an opportunity for me to have some quiet time. We were at our farm and, you know, I think a lot of us over COVID were taking stock of our own lives and, I found that, you know, having been producing Degrassi for almost 40 years, a project which I love so much, Mm -hmm. you're so busy doing on a daily basis that you don't necessarily get that lovely time to reflect and and think about what have we really achieved over this time? You're so right. We've all, and there's all, I think a lot of art is coming at us full force now. We're seeing, you know, music acts that haven't been able to tour in three years and they're all coming out this yes. summer and fall on tour and and Broadway plays and, and shows in Toronto and your and television and movies. We're seeing a lot of art getting created and, and, and it was all sprung from all this downtime for lack of a better word. And people found innovative ways to do things. And Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, I mean, COVID obviously has been, uh, has had a tremendous effect on us, but not all of it's been negative. And there have been some very interesting workarounds and ways that people have found ways to keep their voices going and their expression happening in um, manners that they wouldn't have otherwise thought about. So, so anyway, you know, I do have to thank COVID for allowing me to finish the mother of all Degrassi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, obviously people can find it on Amazon or, or, uh, or at chapters Indigo, wherever people buy books. I've seen it uh, mm-hmm. prominently displayed, which is, uh, which is great to see when I, when I think about the, um, you know, the genesis of you wanting to create a production company and do television shows, I, I th- I've seen you say before, there just wasn't anything that spoke to my demographic. I'm a I'm a kid born in the early 70s, but I I would call myself an 80s kid. And mm-hmm. I think you were right. I think we had, like we said, we had we had music and we had some movies that was catered to us and books that were catered to the great Judy mm-hmm. Bloom, right? We had a lot of books that were catered to us. We really didn't have television shows. We would watch Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers and the Friendly Giant here in Canada, but but then we'd start watching our parents' shows, whether it was Little House on the Prairie or whatever they deemed we could watch with them. But there wasn't something for us, and I think you saw that void. You've nailed it 100%. Like, there was either preschool programming or there was family programming, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't something that looked at the teenagers and said, this is just for you. And... Prior to becoming a television producer, I spent eight years as a junior high school teacher, and I loved my students, and I I really enjoyed and empathized with them, watching as they were 
going through that period of their lives when they were a kid becoming an adult and they were dealing with changes that was happening in their body, changes that were happening in their mind, trying to get their independence from their parents and yet at the same time wanting to feel loved and needed. That time of great push-pull is so unique to those teenage years. And funnily enough, it's so common to teenagers throughout the world. And when I started uh, becoming a television producer, I wanted to capture what that was like for those kids. I wanted to find a way of having them see their own selves on television, find their own voices, make be able to make choices, and out of that, find empowerment to own their own lives and and all the chaotic, crazy things that were happening to them. Linda Schuyler is kind enough to join us. The mother of all Degrassi, a memoir is the book uh, we're talking to, her, of course, on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. I, I definitely have a couple education questions, but I'm going to I'm going to hold off on those for right now um, about the state of it. When you taught the state of it now, you dealt also with issues. I think about it because I was watching some old footage and I remember the shows really well. Um, but you dealt with stuff that it's, it's, maybe you look through the lens now, Lynn, and you go, wow, those were really controversial things. Then there, we have our new controversies. That's for sure. And our new things we, we debate and disagree about, but some of the things then that were controversial just aren't. And, and I think we society evolves, um, and there are things that are better. I, I would even make the example of, of, you know, people being out and gay people being able to love who they want people being able to you know, um, marry each other. And, you know, and I know in the in the late 70s and early 80s, well, those were things our parents weren't sure should happen. And they were debated by politicians. And I think we've we, we've crossed some hurdles for sure in that department. When you look back now, you must see them and go, we were having the conversations then, but they wouldn't be as prickly now. Yes. The answer, my comment to that is both yes and no. Mm -hmm. There's no question that in terms of LGBTQ plus issues, what strides have been made since the 1970s. In my book, I talk about my very best friend, Bruce, who was a gay teacher, and he wasn't allowed to be out. He had to leave live a clandestine life on the weekends because as a teacher, he wasn't allowed to be out. Well, you know, um, we've seen what's happened since then. And, and Degrassi charted a lot of this. Like in the early Degrassi mm -hmm. days, we only saw Snake's brother who, who was concerned that he might be gay. And then over time, we were able to introduce a, a character who, and watch his whole Marco's uh, whole coming out. Then we were able to have bi characters and then we had a trans character. So Degrassi has sort of followed the evolution of acceptance that we've seen in society. Um, I do my know my little bit of hesitation here mm -hmm. is some of the pushback now that we're seeing, particularly for trans students um, there. And it's more happening south of the border than it is up here. But there is a fragment of society that is not as open or as accepting. But we can't lose fact, uh, sight of the fact that we've made tremendous strides since the 1970s. Tremendous. And, and you were doing things on your show um, and, and Kit's show, obviously, that that grown up shows hadn't done yet. Soap operas hadn't done yet. Um, mm. Dallas hadn't done yet or TV cop dramas where you're like, there's a gay character and he's not on there. Or she's not on there because he's gay or she's lesbian. 
they're just there and that's and that's who they are as opposed to this is the whole storyline this person is gay and what will people think that just they became part of the part of the furniture is the best way i can describe it in a good way to for and people shrugged their shoulders and thought yeah that's great he's he's out she's out they do what they want to do it's good Exactly. And we followed exactly the same um, thought process when we had our pregnant teenager. And yeah. at that time, people were the tele television shows were doing sort of movies of the week where you could watch a, somebody maybe have a teenage pregnancy, but then by the end of the week, the end of the hour, it would be over. And what was important for us is, yes, we had a pregnant teen. Yes, she kept her baby, but we followed that character for five years during high school, junior high and high, while she was also a regular teenage student, as well as being a teenage mom. And, and I think that was that's really important that we didn't ever define our characters mm -hmm. just by a label. They're a teenage mom. They're gay. They're lesbian. You know, they have a mental illness. That was all part of the richness of the fabric of their character. Linda Schuyler, memoir, the mother of Degrassi, very much Toronto's television show to me in the 1980s and into the 1990s. So she's written this book about her Degrassi experiences. I, I, I honestly couldn't put it down while I was reading it. Linda, I want to go into the super critical lens right now of how any media is consumed. I want to know if there's episodes that you look back on now and say that was a risk then, but it wouldn't work today. It might not work today. Um, I think if you were to go back and do an analysis of any of our shows, you would find things that if you were doing them today, you would not do them quite the same way. I, I, I'll look for instance, let's say at my uh, trans character. Well, we did our, a trans character in 2010, mm. which was before Orange is the New Black. I, we were really out there. I think I would get criticized today because I did not cast a trans actor in that role. And so I think by today's standards, and I think you could look back at some other Degrassi examples, that by today's standards, we wouldn't necessarily stand up to the scrutiny, but we certainly... I feel that we 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 did the very best we could at the time. Um, well, well I, th I think it's a great follow up and I don't I believe there's no wrong answer, but I do wonder about that. There's there's obviously I think people need to see themselves, whoever they are up on the screen. And for too yeah. long, people of certain color didn't people of certain sexuality didn't. But I was my it's not a line in the sand for me, but I remember going to the theater to see Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And I'm in tears leaving the theater. Like I'm 22 year old uh, guys don't cry that often, Linda. But I that that hit me. But my like I'd be like ah, I still want Tom Hanks as that character. I didn't think anybody could do it better with any other sensitivities. Now someone might say to me, well, he shouldn't play that character in this day and age. But I don't know. I like I again. I I you know I if it's respectful, if it's done with with love and and respect and honor in in um up and it's art still because you are still playing someone other than yourself. Um, where do you land on those kind of issues now? It's fraught. Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no question, and and there's no question that 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 you know for the longest time that that gay actors and people of color were having trouble getting the roles so it must have been very difficult for them to see you know straight people playing roles that they felt that they could they could do so i really don't this is, this is a very dangerous area <laughs> um because i there's certainly of course a good actor is a good actor and i mean they don't come much better than tom hanks and when <laughs> when they can move a 26 year old to tears that's quite wonderful <laughs> 
people. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's creating awareness. And, and yet I am very aware of the other side of the argument, which is that the people who have that lived experience, they also have a right to, to, to vie for those roles. And I think for the longest time, maybe they weren't even getting the opportunity. So I think there is more opportunity now. But it, but it's, um, it's a loaded question. I, I know, yeah, yeah. And again, I, I think again, there's no perfect answer, and um, there's it, it creates conversation, and conversation yeah. is usually better than two people going their separate ways. I'd ask you about totally. Toronto because you taught in Toronto, you're very Toronto. The show, the show didn't make a lot of Toronto references. I grew up in London, Ontario, so I'm like, I think I know where that is, and it's so cool. Degrassi is shot there, but was that sort of by design also you had a u.s audience you had a u.s deal with pbs but you know how torontonians feel about the show like they wrap their arms around it and feel like it's theirs well i think it's the one thing is we never went out of our way to disguise that it was toronto or canada mm -hmm. the when money exchanged hands it was canadian money when cars pulled up they had ontario license plates on it <laughs> kids got on the streetcar, the ttc so we embraced toronto but it wasn't that we went out of our way to necessarily showcase it it just happened here and it's funny because if you talk to some kids in the states they'll say oh Degrassi was shot in California and uh, they'll say, you know, the accents are kind of like ours and it's always sunny because we would always shoot Degrassi over the nice weather. right? So, so people have claimed it to be their own. And I think it goes back to a former comment that I made, which is the, the teenage experience trumps everything else. It is such a, a universal experience that when you get that right, and you get an emotional authenticity that the audience can tap into, then you get something that transcends location. The mother of all, Degrassi, a memoir. It's uh, Linda Schuyler. We're speaking with a couple more before uh, we go. One, I'd ask, this never stopped. Like, even when um, the original cast is gone, you're, you know, like, I think a break reset. And when you're sort of in the spotlight, I think, like I said, if you're an actor, you don't know how long you've got a certain gig for or your, your musicians like oh, maybe we'll get three or four albums and be on the charts and be able to tour. This really has never stopped for you. Did you ever think it would? <laughs> Did I ever think it would get this big? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I marvel when I shot like the early kids of Degrassi. And if I could have projected that it would be an international success, you know, sell around the world and be going for almost four decades, mm. I never, ever could have predicted it. I, I, I'm thrilled. I'm mm. absolutely thrilled. But uh, it's taken me by surprise, let me tell you. Last thing, your um, your COVID observations uh, were very poignant. You got uh, you got a lot written during the pandemic. Um, I hear from teachers who have had to teach the last three years, um, and I, I'd say we, we've, we've a great level of normalcy this year. We're getting there. Um, but I can only imagine you you probably are relieved that you didn't have to be a teacher during uh, the last three years and teach online or teach kids all wearing 30, you know, 30 kids in masks and trying to gauge their experience. I, I'm sure your heart broke at times for education and, and um, how we've all had to muddle through it these last few years. Oh, my heart is so with teachers. And, you know, even though you say we're, we're sort of back to normal, well, 
it's a new normal because these kids have had three years of homeschooling and, and yeah. virtual schooling. They've missed socialization. Um, there is a lot of anxiety in our young people now, a lot of mental illness. And these are all real and complex issues that the teachers are having to deal with, as well as getting the nuts and bolts of education uh, taught. The COVID has had, you know, I, I talk about it sometimes is we've got the second pandemic now, which is the mental illness, the mental crises that many of our young folks are in. It really is. Like, yeah. It, it, you know, so some proms are returning and school sports and field trips. And and that's where like my grade eight was able to have a grade eight graduation last June. Like, thank you. I was in, <laughs> nice. in Mar like, honestly, last year at this time, Linda, you can imagine late April, you're just not sure. You're not yeah. sure. And then, you know, and I know there's always like schools and, and education we were talking about earlier. There's a little political tug here and a little political tug there. And, and I wish there wasn't. And, you know, there's this debate right now about let's get back to the basics and 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 catch up on on reading and writing and math. And I understand that. But I also don't want to let some of the progress go in in teaching, you know, young boys and girls what the world's about. I love teachers that would sit down and talk about something in the news or talk about a social issue and stray from the curriculum. So we're, it's really hard, right? We're trying to balance all that. And there's only seven or eight hours. We can't send them to school 14 hours a day. We can't do that. Oh, I, my, my heart is so with teachers and, you know, with all the other piece that I think needs to be a fundamental is media literacy because right. there's so much, um, that needs to be learned about what is the protocol to use with all your social media and how do you navigate that space. And that's as important to me as like having your media literacy as important as your literacy, your basic English literacy. Yeah, it it, it might have gotten all of us in a lot more trouble um, back in the day. So we need to train them. Um, just because we were able to avoid it because it didn't exist. Um, uh -huh. You're right. You're right. We need great lessons there. The book's called The Mother of All, Degrassi, a memoir. I, I hope you'll come back on again. I love talking to you. Thank you very much for the time today. And thanks for all the, again, all the, all the art and enjoyment and lessons you've given us over the decades. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for your interest. It was lovely talking to you. It's great to have Linda Schuyler on Toronto Today. It really was. Um, go get that book. It is a good one. That's for sure.